Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sesploitation Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Woo! Well, you know, like the old Reese Cup commercial, I want to, you know... You got chocolate, my peanut butter, you got peanut butter and chocolate. After Sunday's show, which is the interview, I was like, let's watch a Western. He's like, no, I want to watch a Tarantino movie. Western, Tarantino. So we decided to do a Southern. And yes, it is a Southern, not a Western, because none of this takes place out West. Nope, not at all. Nope. And actually, that's funny you say that because I just I was uh, reading an interview with Tarantino earlier where he described it as just like you said, a Southern. This is not a Western. It's a Southern. So everybody get get on Netflix or throw on your DVD because Blu-ray uh, and I have Blu-ray if you have it. Uh, <laughs> VHS, beta, whatever you got. <laughs> we're about yeah. to do a, a we're about to watch Django Unchained and we're going to talk talk trivia, talk nonsense like like always. <laughs> and we're at the three words that is why we're probably going to be a long while before we get an HD version of this. <clears throat> And that would be yeah. the Weinstein Company logo. And once you get there, <laughs> we're ready to go, and we're going to hit the ground running. So, Nate, start play in five, four, three, two, one. It's on. I'm a yeah. That he don't have the right. He wasn't smart enough to get the rights to his movies. When he started smelling that the shit was going down. <laughs> and I love right? that they used and the 70s Columbia logo. Yeah. And uh, oh. he did the same. He did the same thing with. Um, he did the same thing with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He used. Uh, he used an older uh, logo. Uh, which was cool. And the song that is playing now is Django by Rocky King. From the Django soundtrack. Yeah. And to open with, people accuse him of ripping off the original Django. If they haven't been over 200 different Django exploitation <laughs> movies before this, they might have an argument. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, you and I were talking about this yesterday, and yeah, it, it's it's another one of those situations where um, films get retrofitted into a, a franchise. You know, like like films change their name so that they can be associated with a franchise that's already successful. And I mean, you know. So obviously there were a lot of movies that were not originally intended to be Django movies that yeah. became Django became Django movies uh, upon subsequent releases, you know. And uh, yeah. home video 
home video really had a lot to do with that, not just for the Django series, but for a lot of series, a lot of movies just got retitled for home video release. And then, you know, yeah, right. But here's the first big question I have to ask. I have my opinion on here. Yours first, Nate. Do you think Will Smith would have been a good Django? No, I, I know he was the first choice. Yeah, I know he was the first choice, but I, I, I think Jamie Foxx is a much better actor, you know? Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't mind see, Will uh Will Smith playing a character this salty. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, he, uh, I don't know. I haven't, he has done some pictures that, uh, where I think he did do a good job with drama, like uh, happiness was uh, the, the the pursuit of happiness, not happiness. <laughs> <No. Yeah. laughs> I can't I can't see Will Smith in happiness, but yeah, the pursuit of happiness. I thought he did a good job with that uh, in a more dramatic dramatic role, you know. Um, and he's good as an he's good as an action star, you know. He's a good action star and. He's a good comedic actor, you know. Uh, he's a terrible but musician, but everybody, uh, <laughs> I can't. started out as a comedian who did impressions. So, of course, yeah. he would be better in vanishing into a role. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't, I, I haven't always cared for every movie that he's been in either, but I do think he's, I do think he's great in this movie. Yeah. 1858, somewhere in Texas. Okay, this is the only scene that takes place in the West. And there's James Remar. No, not James Remar. Who is that? Damn it. <laughs> but You're I like, do, there's James Remar. Mm-hmm. And people don't get uh-huh. what the, why James Remar is in the film twice. Right. You know the character <laughs> that James Remar plays uh, later in the film? Uh, yeah, he plays one of the Pooch brothers, right? Like uh, when they go right. to, yeah, when they and, go to the. Uh, that is the other uh, one of the Pooch brothers. That's why he don't trust King from the start. Because where right? they gotten him about some German guy that had shot his brother down. Right. One of the oh, things that I love about one of the yeah. things I love about T- Tarantino's uh, western, um, I mean, he's always been a you know he's always been really good at framing shots, and, and and you know I think I think that's one of the things that you know why Abby likes Tarantino because she loves Wes Anderson, and you know he's Wes Anderson's always you know really meticulous about framing shots. Uh, Tarantino's always been good with the cinematography, but his Westerns really took it to another level. You know, he's really great. Like with this uh, and the hateful eight, he, he's really great at like framing these shots, you know, like they look like all of the shots in his Westerns look amazing. You know, like he really kicked it up a notch. You know, he really kicked it up a notch. 
But I do love the way the black people was looking at King. Like, who the hell is this mother? <laughs> yeah, now, do you have any insight into why uh, why he masks or masquerades as a dentist for, for this movie? Doc like, uh, you know, be, Doc Holliday, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. He was Could a be, failed yeah. dentist that... When he couldn't do good as a dentist, he became a bounty hunter. He found it easier mm. to kill people than to pull out your teeth. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it is a lot easier to just shoot someone in the face than to actually have to yeah. wrestle a tooth out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, he but, don't know anything of the etiquette back then, and that's why King's just talking to him like a normal human being. And I'm not being right. racist, but that was just the etiquette back then. You do not talk to property like it was a human. Mm-hmm. That way it probably make it right. easier on your souls to have slaves. And I, I think that's a lot of what Tarantino gets at in his movies. Like, he's been criticized by other directors like Spike Lee for saying, oh, does he think if he, does, does he, think if he uses the N-word enough times we're going to make him an honorary member? No, I think he, he does that because, you, you know, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't use it in a derogatory way in most of his films, you know. I mean, uh, in most of his films you know, when you hear the N word, it's a black person saying it in the, you know, in the, uh, in the way that, you know, as I said before, he was raised in the blackest, meanest ghetto in Knoxville. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you were a stranger, white or black, and you went into the Heights, boom, you're dead. But I love (laughs) that. You just shoot to... Yeah, this was this was the point at the theater where Abby was like, "Oh, come on, Tarantino, horse gets shot." She, like I said, she gets upset when things are violent. In when an animal, yeah, is off the rails. <laughs> yeah, Roscoe Ace, see, Ace, he talks about his brother later in the film. Yep. But that's another yeah. thing that's there if you were looking for it, but if you're not, <clears throat> like uh, King Schultz, one of his heirs is the grave that's desecrated in Kill Bill, Paula Schultz. Yep, the lonely death of, or the is it the lonely death or the lonely grave of Paula Schultz? The lonely I, grave I can't of remember Paula the- Schultz. Yeah, and that's where they bury the bride. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and speaking of another, it, this, uh, yeah, right here is one of his best uses of music I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> I just love his reaction. What the fuck? Enemy <laughs> <me> rifle? <laughs> Don't you know I could kill you? Right. See, look at King's reaction to seeing his back. 
He's naive. Yeah. He's never been in the shit. God damn. One hundred, ten, twenty. He is just so innocent, and everyone looking at him like, "Who the fuck is this idiot?" Just damn. And look how quick Jamie Foxx gets into the white man's clothes, starts riding a horse, you know. (laughs) This is this is one of my favorite lines in the movie. Oh, what to do next? Yeah. Then Shackley <laughs> take that rifle. Rifle. Put a bullet in his head. <laughs> That's my favorite. When he says, "In case yeah. there are any uh, <laughs> astronomy aficionados against uh, among yeah. you, the North Star North. is that one." <laughs> <laughs> Situation like this. Just doing my job. And this song is the Braying Mule from Ennio Morricone from Two Mules for Sister Sarah. Right. And this western town right here was used again in some deleted footage from The Hateful Eight, especially the scene where uh, the colonel and uh, John Roos had their steak dinner. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've told you. Go ahead. Oh, I think I've told you before that even as a movie, even as a movie nerd, um, I don't usually watch deleted scenes or listen to uh, director commentaries. Like, I, I, I don't do a lot of Tarantino that. Tarantino hasn't um, done any except for true romance, so. Right. 
Yeah. I I don't know. Even like other directors that I like, I just usually don't I I don't really care so much for director commentary and you know, I mean, this is what we do every week. We make our own commentary about movies, you know, yeah. like it's interesting to read interviews and hear what directors yeah. and writers have to say about their work. See, but, this is why this yeah. is one of Tarantino's best right there in the foreground. Yeah. Goat. <laughs> and you love goats. <laughs> well, I do for, love for the kings are like, why is everybody acting so fucking weird? They ain't never seen a black man on a horse. All right. <laughs> I love that whip pan. <laughs> yeah, Tarantino loves those like old school techniques when it comes to directing uh split screen, you know, like in Kill Bill he uses the the split screen. He uses the like yeah, like the, you know, slam you, close up. Uh, Notice that there's a deleted scene in the soundtrack that goes before this scene here. That whole bit, like, if we went to that bar and got a drink, what would happen? What he calls it, sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they call the sheriff so the movie can happen. <laughs> <sighs> Like I said, for King, this is just him wasting time before the sheriff, who he wants to get there. And for Django, this is like one of the biggest moments of his life. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's getting his first beer. He's sitting in the saloon. He's being treated like a human. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I, I was that. saying earlier. That's like I was saying earlier, you know, it's like, I think a big, I think a big part of uh, Tarantino's, uh, you know, mindset, you know, like I said, he's been accused of being racist, but like you said, he grew up in a primarily, uh, you know, African-American uh, area, and I, I think that it's exactly the opposite of that. I think that, you know, he has a lot of respect for the African-American community, and I think he's, you know, his point isn't to insult, like, you know, whenever characters in a Tarantino movie that aren't black use the N-word, they're despicable characters, you know? like Or so, married to a black woman. Or married to a black woman, yeah, right? Like uh, Jimmy you know? in Pulp Fiction. I mean, right? Jimmy uses the N-word unnecessarily, but if I showed up at your house at about 6 a.m. in the freaking morning with a dead body... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Stephen. My garage is full, man. I don't... I, I can't... Uh, yeah. I can't help you right now. <laughs> Uh, 
I love the look in his eyes right there when he says their name. You don't. He didn't need to show that scene of them attacking his wife after that look. Right. For as over the top as the violence is, this may be one of Tarantino's most subtle films when it comes to character change and stuff. Yeah, I think I, I, I think Tarantino's most subtle film is Jackie Brown when it comes to characters evolving or devolving depending on the characters. But yeah, yeah but that's um, more Leonard. Yeah, right. I forget his name, but we've seen him in a lot of American westerns and action films in the 70s. Uh, yeah. Who, what, is, what is that guy's name? R.G. Armstrong. Uh, no, not L.G. Armstrong, but... Ah, no. Nothing to do to come off Steve Ronquillo and Nate Bradford show and show your ass. <laughs> I just love the way you said that. Show your ass. What did you just do to our sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that, guy, that guy right there, he's just like, now nah, you can go get the marshal. <laughs> uh, and that is Tom Wopat, better known as... Mo Duke for the Dukes of Hazard. Yep. Oh, I didn't know you were waiting for me to say it. <laughs> I thought you were just yeah. going to continue your sentence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From the Duke to Hazard. And he's good in this. Everyone is good. It seems like anyone that Tarantino gets is good in his movies with his writing. Well, yeah, and you know, Tarantino is pretty famous, uh, you know, uh, a lot of actors who have worked with him have said they do like, like you were saying earlier, uh, they do like rehearsals in like a theater in like a play type setting, like they're doing it as a play. So they do their rehearsals and they really nail their parts. And so he's already giving them the direction that he, you know, that he's going to utilize once they get on the actual set, yeah. you know? So people have a good idea about what, what they want from him and what their character, you know, what their characters are going to be like, you know? So, yeah, I think he has a really good rehearsal period before he starts filming that really informs actors as to <laughs> what their characters are expected to deliver on screen, you know? <laughs> And what's sad is after this, Christoph Waltz didn't have the great roles he should have had. Sorry about that. But 
I mean, he went from two Tarantino films, two supporting Oscars to the worst, one of the worst James Bond films ever. Yeah, well, you know, uh, it's 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 not it's not uncommon for actors to like crest like you know you look at actors like look at like uh you you know like an actors who win an oscar one year and then the next year they make the worst kuba gooding jr he wins an oscar and then the next year he does what friggin snow dogs or whatever that stupid (laughs) movie was where he went on a boat you know it's like you know boat trip or whatever it's like come on man it's like if you're on an Oscar high, like choose your next project. Don't just sign on for anything. I mean, I guess for Christoph Waltz, he probably thought it would be cool to be in a James Bond movie, which I don't deny. It probably would be cool to be in a James Bond movie, but you know. Oh. Yeah, I just love I, any scene with Waltz in this movie is great, which really makes the turn that we're going to talk about later even more shocking. Right. Now this movie is called, his name is King, also by Louis Barakov. From the movie, his name was King. And what's funny is this is one of the two movies besides Then God Said to Cain that Klaus Kinski was the heroic star of. Right, which is, it, which is odd for Klaus Kinski because he usually plays the villain. He's usually not like, you know... He doesn't usually play any kind of heroic role at all. Uh. I love it. That's why Django's always smarter. He always knows... You know, he doesn't give a damn about looking good, smart plans. He just wants to go there, get his wife, and get the fuck out. Yeah, right? <laughs> and who's this guy that plays old man Koran? I think I've seen him in a couple of things before. This guy? <laughs> yeah. 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 You think you've seen him? You think you've seen him a few times before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just maybe. Just maybe he might have been in a few movies. And this is uh, what happened once was the original choice for the Hateful Eight. I forget who it was. Couldn't make it. So he got Bruce Dern back for the role. Right. Yeah. There were, actually for this movie, there were quite a few people who uh, were offered roles that they weren't, that they weren't able to make. Um, You know, uh, Kurt Russell was cast in this movie originally, but uh, he couldn't do it. 
sorry, but I like the choice they made for Kurt Russell's role in this yeah. one. Yeah. If, well, we'll talk about that later when he shows up. But I love it. He's right. like, Broomhilda? <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen was originally considered for a role. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I can see Sasha Baron Cohen Cohen tearing it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I see. The thing is, like Tarantino keeps swearing up and down. He's only going to make one more movie, but it's like, man, I would love to see a Tarantino movie with Sasha Baron Cohen and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like those two yeah. are both great actors, and and Tarantino could get a great performance out of both of them you know each of them yeah. um, but do you, you remember know, so. what i said about joe daworski and it applies to tarantino too no they talk i don't remember any they talk a lot of shit <laughs> it's only yeah. when the projects are there and i see the trailer that i know that it's a done deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah tarantino has talked about you know like a hundred projects oh this is my next project this is my next project and then it never materializes you know so it's just like someone like, puts a, like a little bop in his head and he's like oh yeah right yeah and I always find it funny how theatrical King is. Yeah, you know, don't break characters. <laughs> you know. Right. And here comes uh-huh. the scene that makes everybody crack up laughing. <laughs> And you know what the funny thing is? Prince would have loved that outfit. Only he would have made it purple. <laughs> right? <laughs> and, <laughs> there and he of is course, in the big plantation area of Gatlinburg. <laughs> Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And- is a tourist town carved out of the mountain that takes you about 50 minutes to drive a complete circle around. And there's the man, Don Johnson, baby. Yeah, he is. I love the fact that whenever he gets a role like this, he just tears it up and shows you why he's good. Oh yeah, he chews the scenery, baby. You don't you don't get Don Johnson in a movie and have him uh only half deliver. He's he's good to go. <laughs> Even and though course, I don't think every... his accent is around these parts. <laughs> Texas to Tennessee. You know that one fun time in Hollywood, the only film of his I don't think has a Tennessee reference of this area. Right. And of course, everyone knows uh, in this scene, uh, Django's costume uh, is inspired by a very famous painting uh, from the 1700s, uh, Thomas Gainsborough's The Blue Boy. 
<laughs> if you if if anyone hasn't seen the painting, you can easily Google an image of it, and it's the outfit that Django is wearing right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jamie Foxx picked that outfit because he figured that Django, if he got a chance to dress in something like that, he would want to because it's the first time he got to his own clothes, you right. know. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it it is one of those little things like Tarantino does have like a very subtle sense of humor a lot of times when it comes to stuff like this, you know, where, uh, you know, like I said, when Abby and I went to see this in the theater, when it cut to that uh, with him wearing that outfit, she laughed hysterically, you know. <laughs> She got the reference. Well, she knows the yeah, painting. It's like you know. the Gatlinburg line. I doubt anywhere outside this area I live in would laugh as hard at that joke. <laughs> right. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like in... Uh, in, in, in oh, I love, in, uh, I love this. Wait, watch. I love this bit right here. Right here after this. Yes. Uh-huh. Good boy that works with last. You know. <laughs> oh, you Jared? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Oh, he ain't right in the head to work the lumber glass. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I can think of that would be comparable to what you're talking about from your area is uh, up here in New England, we have Old Sturbridge Village. And uh, it's still maintained uh, like it was back in the 1800s, you know. So it's like one of those places where you can go and <laughs> You know, they, they churn butter and they do, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. It's one of, it's like one of those type of towns, you know. Yeah, I look at him, he's ready for this. Yep. <laughs> and then here comes freedom. Oh you know this of all of his movies this is the one with really the smallest soundtrack not any of the music used in this movie on the soundtrack unlike Pulp Fiction where if you go on Spotify there's like a big playlist that has like about 20 songs that were in the movie that wasn't played (laughs) 
Yeah, I was actually reading something about that uh, the other day. Uh, there were a lot of songs that were written specifically for this movie that didn't that were not used. Um, Tarantino just said he couldn't find a scene where they worked, and obviously there are a lot of other. You know, as usual, there are a lot of songs that yeah, a lot of songs that you know he just borrowed from other soundtracks or you know used. Yeah. And that's John McGainley right there. If you watch Sons of Anarchy and stuff, or Con Air, you would know him. He was oh, a yeah. pilot in Con Air. I loved him. This plane ain't stopping yep. nowhere, boy. Yeah, that's country directions for your ass right there, buddy. You go to that <laughs> yeah. tree, and you keep going that way. Up there and you'll see like a stump, then you turn left and Oh I, I, yeah, I used to deliver for a pharmaceutical company and we'd go way out into the wilderness and we all had radios in our car so we could talk to each other and whenever you couldn't find a place you'd be like you'd call on the radio and be like, Hey, has anyone ever delivered here before? Because I can't find it. And there was one guy I worked with would be like, all right, you go up the hill, you're going to see a big rock. And then when you go down the hill, there's going to be an oak tree on the left. And then you're going to, it's going to be on the right there. You'll see it. You, you, you can't miss it. <laughs> and I forget what movie this music's from. I know the tune, though. Yeah, um... It sounds like uh, like some kind of uh, it sounds like some Italian giallo music. Yeah, I love it's got to be an Ita- it, it, it's got to be an Italian spaghetti western. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. Even the back was like, "What the hell?" Me. <laughs> I like the way you die, boy. I die. Now that song was all over the trailers and the soundtrack. Right. That'd be me trying to shoot somebody right there. <laughs> Damn That guy's like, oh, shit, man. Those bullwhips hurt. If I had known, I never would have used one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the blacks are like. <laughs> you yeah, want see something? Watch it. <laughs> I think... I love the fact that that is scaring her more than the whipping was. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, they're all like, whoa, a black man just killed two white men. This ain't going to end well. But he's yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what positive means. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> And I do think that's one of I do think that's one of Tarantino's most beautiful shots too is the blood spraying across the flowers. Like that's a it's rare for him to get yeah. that art house, you know. It just seems to me that this era post uh, Inglorious Bastards is really when he found his visual mojo. You know, he got comfortable in his shoes. Yeah. Um, you know, Reservoir Dogs was pretty raw, uh, but it worked for the, for the, you know, for the uh, content. And then Pulp yeah. Fiction, you know. And Pulp Fiction, he really tried to go like, you know, Pulp Fiction and Jackie Brown, he really tried to go for like 70s, uh, like grindhouse kind of look to it, but yeah. with a more polished demeanor. But then, you know, obviously Kill Bill and Kill Bill Volume 2, that's when he was like, all right, I'm just gonna, you know, go crazy, you know? And... But yeah, it just seems to me like when he worked with him is really what gave him confidence in himself. Because you notice that's what I had killed him both times, like with Jackie Brown and when Grindhouse hit. The fact that they weren't hit deflated the holy hell out of him. Yeah, well, I think Jackie Brown was probably a tough road for him to hoe because Pulp Fiction was like the biggest movie in the world, and then he had to follow that up, you know? And he was like, I, I yeah. don't think he had any idea, you know? I don't think yeah, he had any idea Elvis what to Costello do next. quote, right? He mm-hmm. said the reason that second albums usually suck is that the artist had a lifetime to write their first album. But they only have like 16 months to write their second. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking of which, I have a new album coming out next month, and I'm going on a big uh, stand-up comedy tour uh, this fall. Yeah. So you know, just a quick, just a, just a quick plug while I'm on the on the air. Yeah. Oh, and Jonah Hill originally had a, a earlier role in the movie. Originally, Bloom Hilda was sold to him, and he fell in love with her. And they had a relationship, and then Candy wanted Broomhilda and killed him. But he cut out that whole section of the movie. Yes, uh, they 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 uh, there was supposed to be a, a poker game between Candy and uh, and Jonah Hill's character. Yeah, where? But I'm glad because he does great in this. 
Yeah, no, this this short little comedic scene with him is better than... It, yeah, it, and only not he jo- could humanize not- the Ku Klux Klan. Well, not humanize, <laughs> but use comedy to take the piss out of them. Right. And that's what comedy's supposed to do to scary, evil people. Take the piss out of them. <laughs> Shit on this thing. <laughs> I'm fucking with my eye holes. <laughs> Goddamn mask. Appreciate what Jenny did. It's just them talking normal shit, you know. Extra bag. Ask him. Sons of bitches. My wife didn't work all day to get thirty bags together just to be criticized, criticized, criticized. <laughs> what a nice idea. <laughs> but they could have been done any better. <laughs> uh, that's Tennessee etiquette right there. You know. That's yeah. real Tennessee etiquette. I know you're a dumb <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm not calling you that. But you could have done a little better there, man. <laughs> Look, I'm saying be... you. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate you bringing the potato salad to the barbecue. We just wish you hadn't used red potatoes. Okay, that's all we're saying. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys make your potato salad with red potatoes down there? No, we just use regular potatoes. Or. Yeah, up here it's 50-50. Sometimes you get red potatoes, yeah. sometimes not. <laughs> Bullseye. That's the bingo. I love that twitching jingle man, <laughs> and he's seen it, you know, like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Boom. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> God damn, you're a natural, son. It's a natural. <laughs> oh, what do you think about the bounty hunting business? <laughs> Yeah, Broomhill's a German name. Well, well, we all know a opera, which is uh, the rain cycle. Yes. And if you haven't watched it, there's a silent film one that I forget who, who did it, but... It's fucking amazing. Remember. <laughs> it's a German legend. It's going to be a mountain. There's always going to be a yeah. mountain in there. <laughs> uh. But I do love how we frame this, too, you know. Yeah. See, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying like, yeah. Uh Tarantino's always had a great visual style, but like you like you said uh, you know, earlier like once he got past um the Kill Bill movies, he really got into like almost like a Kubrick style of framing shots really like intentionally, you know. Yeah. And I think that's, again, why I think Abby starts, started liking his, she always liked his films, but I think she liked his later work more because it does have that Wes Anderson kind of, you know, everything is framed really succinctly, you know, yeah. um, and, uh, inglorious bastards yeah. and, you know. And why did they decide to release Django Unchained in December 25th? Because for some reason, the Christmas holiday, Westerns have always done great. Uh, Tombstone, Christmas. Uh, True Grit, the Coen Brothers, Christmas. Open Range, Kevin Costner, Christmas. Tarantino, a lot of Tarantino movies have come out on Christmas Day. I've, I've... I've gone to the movies many times on Christmas just to see the new Tarantino movie. I mean, what else are you going to do? Like once you get up and have breakfast and open your presents at, you know, six o'clock yeah, in the morning, the rest I of the really day, you're miss just about like, Christmas now is I don't get, I didn't get to watch my Christmas movie last year. Damn it. Right. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll get to watch your Christmas movie this year. I guess it depends on how much, 
Abby and I are planning on taking a trip to Mexico in October, but if the COVID cases keep climbing, then they'll probably shut down international travel again. So, yeah, I don't know. They'll kick you up. They'll say, get out of here, gringo. Adios, vamanos, gringo. <laughs> yep. And if you want to make them good friends, call them all pendejos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll work out well for me. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, I think that Schultz wants to realize he's got a nice then why would you not want to use someone like that to make as much money as you can, you know? <laughs> right. And that's always King's biggest weakness is that he loves his big. And I love the use of this song. Once it becomes a bounty hunter, he makes a name for himself. I got a name. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the muddy streets are from Corbucci's Django. You know what I mean? Yep. Corbucci was tired of the dusty, dusty western, so he put his western in everything sand and dust. So you'd have the muddy uh, piss and horse shit melon like this and his greatest western the great silence takes place in the snow yep and, and uh the muddy streets yeah go ahead oh i was gonna say the muddy streets also remind me of uh jim jarmusch's uh dead man uh, oh, of course. Which is Jim also. Moose would admit yeah. that he was inspired by Corbucci. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's a great but, film, too. Anyone who's listening who has not seen Dead Man, you got to see Dead Man. It's an amazing film. Probably, it's probably the best Jim Jarmusch film, in my, in my opinion. It just seems funny that it's always seemed to me that Jarmusch always wants to make his genre film. It's like he's got like a wall with just foot posters. This is my action film. This is my samurai film. This is my vampire film. This is my zombie film. <laughs> right? Well, much like much like Tarantino and Kevin Smith, uh, he's been fortunate enough to be able to work within a studio system that allows him to make whatever film he's envisioning at the yeah. time, you know? Um, and I, it, it, it's, yeah. yeah. I love this thing because it shows the moral quandary of the business that they're in. This guy may be a murderer, but he is raising a family with a kid, does that make it any more right to not kill him for being a murderer? And do you think uh, Django could have done what he does in the third act without King teaching him these nasty little lessons? <laughs> no, he... uh I mean, like we said, you know, this is one of, this is a movie where, uh, 
a really a well-written character really like um has an arc that starts with uh you know being a slave to being a hero yeah you know, not you know well not a hero not, more not, like a spaghetti western hero which means he's the son of a bitch but he's our son of a bitch and plus this yeah. scene also shows that Schultz has taught him how to read and that could have gotten killed, gotten Schultz right. and him both killed back then. Because that's one of the worst things that you could do is teach a black person to read. Right. And that always shows that the sins of your past is always going to come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, you're telling me, man. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's uh, old age. The sins you know, of... <laughs> crack. <laughs> well, well, well. If it, is, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> yeah, I like that bit that Richard Pryor did about his heart attack mm-hmm. where his heart attack was talking to him. <laughs> right. Motherfucker, do you remember when you were talking about that shit eating all that pork? Oh, God, oh, God, don't kill me, don't kill me. <laughs> yeah, if you don't think about that now. <laughs> uh, I mean, really, uh, this is, I mean, King Schultz is naive, but he realizes that Unless he teaches Django how to be a killer. Oh, and this song is from Any Gun Can Play. Right. And it was also used in the track for, let's see if you know this one. I don't. Django kill if you live, shoot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, we were talking about some of the different names that uh, the Italian Django movies were listed under. And obviously, we mentioned at the top of the show that a lot of movies were renamed with Django in the title to yeah. capitalize off uh, off of the success. Uh, uh, Franco Nero do- talked once where he went to Germany to publicize a report for the, you know, Confessions of a Police Captain. And he looked in the theaters, and he seen that there were three films of his playing. One was two were cop films, and uh, one was a romance. The romance is called right. Django's a Lover. The cop film is called <laughs> Django's a Policeman, or Django's a Captain. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's how popular... The reason that this warps our mind is we never got this movie over in the United States, the original Django. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What did what and, did we get? Uh, the, we were talking about this yesterday. The first, I think, what was the first one that we got was like uh, shoot, die, and. Kill, die, and kill again. Yeah, kill, die, and kill kill again. Kill and come back and kill again. 
And that is Lee yeah. Horsley, who is a famous uh, TV star. He played Matt Houston in a show in the 80s. <laughs> and Thursday, they got some And I wonder where that cabin was used again. And I, I love know. how he it, just trans. Transition, <laughs> Mississippi. Well, see, this seems to harken towards like what uh, you know what Tarantino has been saying is that you know he only wants to make one more film and then he wants to uh, you know start writing novels and doing plays, you know, theatrical plays, and that's kind of a that's that type of transition, you know, you can do that in a novel. You can do that on stage, you know, <laughs> look, all those black guys in masks are just staring at him. Like, you know, the fuck. <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> Calvin candy. I want. Where did they get the name for that? For his plantation? I mean, have you ever heard of Candyland before? Well, I mean, I've heard of the board game, but you know. Yeah, that, how I mean, hilarious I, is that? That he picked one of the most kiddie board games ever to name. You know, <laughs> the, yeah, Candyland. Well, you know, well, Tarantino is a huge board game fan. So I think that was one of his little cheeky in-jokes, you know, knowing yeah. full well, of course, that, you know, knowing full well that Candyland did not exist in the, you know, you know, back in this era. I love how it's really changed now. Now Django is teaching King Schultz. The ends and ropes of how to act down south. A man wants to buy a horse. Needs to buy a horse. Yes, I've always wondered that, but that's just King Schultz's style, isn't it? Why did he not just go up and say, you got a, I heard you got a black woman that... Uh, Speaks German and I want to speak German. I got five thousand dollars. I will buy her from you. Do you think that a certain character in the movie would? Yeah, he'll. Do you think that a certain character later in the movie would be like five thousand dollars to get rid of that pain in the ass? I'll take. You know. (laughs) Right. For a glass of milk. Oh no, that's another yeah. Tarantino movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's another Tarantino movie with Christoph Waltz. But it's still crack. <laughs> I mean, it's still if I, he always plots. I don't understand why he always has to make a big production. Oh, and Mandingo. That was. That yeah. was always on the forbidden list with my old co-host. I'm like, let's talk about no. Yeah. Uh, 
Mandingo, and what was the what was the sequel to that? Drums of Africa was Drum, that the yeah. sequel to Mandingo? And there were about yeah. ten or twenty books. Yeah, I never saw any of the books, but I just remember there was another movie after Mandingo. Yeah, but, Mandingo yeah. and drums. Yeah. Hmm. I love the way he says that. And yeah, it is. Yeah. A black flavor is worse than the house. <laughs> yep. And you still see that term used today as an insult, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. You just the uh, Uncle Tom. You're yep. just a house. <laughs> Southern politics again. Especially to the blacks, you know. Jane Freeman. And did you know that to find out where Broom Hilly was, they had to go to the property of Sayer's office? Yeah. (laughs) I love that. He's a Francophile. I wonder what, I wonder who that could be referencing. Well, there's two references in that. All right. <laughs> Especially that guy sitting over there on the right. Indeed. Yeah. It's kind of a funny thing about Tarantino movies is because, you know, like I said, uh, you know, Abby likes Tarantino movies, but she doesn't really understand, like, you know, all of the in-depth references. So when we saw Kill Bill, I had to, I, I had to explain to her, uh, I had to explain to her who Sonny Chiba was. And when we saw this movie, I had to explain to her who Franco Nero was. See? There's his brother. That's why he's looking so dirty at him. Because he's like, is that the two that killed his brother? Yep. And what's funny is a lot of people thought that Candy was... Well, we'll get to that once someone else shows up. That's southern. You know, we got to have, anytime you're in the south, you got to have sweet tea. Yeah, I mean, we drink sweet tea up here in the north, but we don't usually mix it with alcohol. It's usually just like a non-alcoholic beverage to enjoy on the beach or the boat, you know. Uh, But now I might have to try sweet tea and bourbon if you're recommending it. Yeah. You know I'm trying not to drink anymore, Stephen. Now you're just now you're just luring hey, me down the path. 
It's just weird seeing someone in the southern. Oh, there he is, himself. And the first reference to Francophile, that is a term for fans of Jeff Franco. Yes. This is a nasty, ugly fight. And if it wasn't this nasty and ugly, it wouldn't have meant anything. So I guess Abby was okay with it because she understood the context of it. <laughs> was she, or yeah. did she get a... Yeah. No, she... Uh, this one didn't upset her so much. She was okay with it. I mean, and did you notice that's the same thing that happens in, uh, the hateful eight? Someone drops the candy, shooting starts. Yep. Well, that's one of the big clues in the hateful eight is when they find the piece of candy on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this right? bit right here. If you don't know what the second meaning of Francophile means. <laughs> right. Like Django I said, this is one of. Meets... <laughs> Who is that? Django! <laughs> As oh. like I said, you know, like, this is one of the things I had to explain to Abby. I was like, so that's Franco Nero. He played Django in the Italian versions of Django. And she was like, oh. <laughs> and this is from the stupid U.S. trailer to Django. Have you ever had the bad luck of seeing the U.S. trailer for Django for the about three seconds they released it? I'm sure I saw it. Uh, I don't it recall anything about that. it. But. Django, the D is silent. So, and, then they re- and then when it was released, it was spelled J-A-N-G-O. There wasn't no D. <laughs> Get him a woman too. <laughs> Is it me or Leo done his two best performances in the OOs and the ten you know, in this decade in the two Tarantino films that he's in? Well, yeah, like we were talking about earlier, you know, like Tarantino gets really good performances out of out of actors. Not that Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have didn't do good work. I mean, before Tarantino, but yeah, his two films with Tarantino are definitely his two best films. I mean, most people most people would say Titanic or even like what's eating Gilbert Grape, you know, like he's not a bad actor at all. But yeah, his his best films have definitely been with Tarantino. Ha <laughs> ha. 
Polynesian pearl driver. <laughs> is that is that a southern thing? Because I've never heard of such I a thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, you said you know you said uh, you said uh, there was a lot of. Uh, You said there was a lot of Southern influence in this. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually called a Southern, but it does take place in Texas, and that's out west. Yes, us in the South don't claim Texas. Okay, so we call them those crazy mother. Yeah, what? Uh I just Googled Polynesian. A Polynesian pearl diver, and it says the the Wikipedia link says in Quentin Tarantino's 2012 film <laughs> Django Unchained. <laughs> so that's not even a drink. So, well, it is. It is a real drink. Uh, Puerto Rican rum, Demera rum, Jamaican rum. Velvet Thalernum, whatever that is, orange juice, lime juice, pearl divers mix, and ice. God damn, that just sounds like that put me in a coma. Diabetic coma. It's got four different kinds of rum in it before you even start adding juice. (laughs) Oh, wait, there's... There's more. There's more after that. You have to put in. <laughs> uh, you have to put in sweet butter, one ounce of honey, a teaspoon of simple syrup, a dash of cinnamon, vanilla syrup, and allspice. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, you're right. That's that, that's gonna kill somebody tonight. <laughs> that would kill me. I would look at it and go, <laughs> shit, boom, pass out. <laughs> I do love. Well, gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. And I love the fact that uh, he knows that King's a virgin, so he's dealing with Django. He's like, yeah, he knows the deal. Oh, here comes the guy who takes the role that Kurt Russell has. And I'm sorry, I would rather have him in this role than Kurt Russell. No offense to Kurt Russell. And there he is yeah, behind his, King Schultz. Yeah, Kurt Russell's talents were better put to use in uh, Hateful Eight. You know. And I just, well, I just love him too. Just, you know. Phenology is a study of bumps. They believe that if you study the bumps on someone's head, you would le- that you would actually learn that, you know. And how funny it is that Candy was right. He is the one in ten thousand, and that's the one they tried to weed out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, phrenology was a really strange pseudoscience that they used before uh, there was any such thing as x-rays or any way to, like, look 
you know, CAT scans or anything like that, any way to look at the brain, they would try to uh, manipulate or not manipulate, but uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, understand people's mental abilities based on the, the bumps yeah. on their head. Yeah. Yeah. So... Wait, I'm gonna get his name because I love him so much. God damn it! He's talking about Walter Goggins. Yeah, Walt Goggins. He's just so great in this. I couldn't see anyone. Tagging out as a my guest. The way he's acting towards Django really brings up a theory of mine, which I will get into later, which no one really talks about. I love that. You're one lucky. Right. You're listening to your boss, white boy. I'm going to go walking in the moonlight with you. I'm going to hold my hand. And walking One of in the moonlight is another term yeah. for lynching. But yeah, yeah, this song by Rick Ross. As they're entering hell, Candyland. I need a hundred black coffins. I need a hundred black coffins. And I yeah, love actually, the shot. you know. Yeah. Again, see the the cinematography, like I was talking about. Tarantino's westerns have some really dynamic cinematography. Yeah, and there's third appearance of Carrie White. Well, about the fifth, but the third is a vision for him, you know, his goal. Right. I love it. He keeps looking mean at him and spitting at him with any... I'll do every other scene, and this has a hell of a payoff, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, and bones here, so. <laughs> I mean, if you look how Calvin Candy's hair is in his face, you might think he's possibly a half breed. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and his father is the real boss of Candyland, maybe. Right? So shut the fuck up. That's so funny. Go listen to the song Ode to Billy Joe. 
Billy Joe Montana jumped off the Tallahassee Bridge in Chicksaw County, you know. Yeah. Up on Chicksaw Ridge. This is my world. In my world, you got to get dirty. I'm doing. I'm getting dirty. Yeah, that's the truth. King likes them faraway shots. That's why he uses that long rifle. He likes to do the killing, yeah. but he don't like to get down in the shit. And he doesn't realize that he's stepping inside the outhouse and just jumping full barrel down in it. <laughs> Moonlight. That's why he has. That's why King has his reaction right here, you know. Right. Hunchback. And there's Miss Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell, yes, indeed. Tarantino loves her. Well, we all love her. She's the sweetest, insane yeah. stunt man ever. <laughs> right? Yeah. Anyone who doesn't know, Zoe Bell is the crazy uh, chick that rides the hood of the car in Death Proof, and that was all real-time, yeah. real stunt. Yeah. And, <laughs> that was and not... uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was their first time. Oh, I know that guy. He saved my life once. He told me that right? the snack bar was open at the drive and I was starving, and my sugar was low. <laughs> if you ever hang around Pittsburgh and you haven't seen Tom Savini, then you really haven't been hanging around Pittsburgh. Right? Yeah, if you're wandering around in New York City and you don't see one of the Beastie Boys, then you're not really wandering around New York City. Well, there's one of them that lived in Nashville, the one that died. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and that's what's his name from uh, Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Yeah. I thought you was a toad. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Playing on my. But yeah, this was the first time that Tarantino worked with Tom Savini. He had already, uh, Tom Savini was already in uh, Death Proof. No, uh, Machete. Yeah, he was in Machete for Robert Rodriguez. Oh yeah, he was, what was, Planet Terror. Yeah. Let the dogs go. Back to me. 
You know why they don't show the Tom Savini holding the dog right there? Because in the one take they did with him, the dog jerked him off his feet and dragged him across the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You know, I mean, I suffer from depression, and I think about suicide a lot, but I also think about, like, you know, I don't really want to die, you know? I just suffer from depression. So, you know, suicide is on my mind. But a lot of times I think about the worst ways to die, and I think being torn apart by dogs would probably be right I love that. I love what he just said right there. (laughs) He's he's just not been around Americans as much as you, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, look, he ain't been around Americans as much as I have. (laughs) I wonder if King Schultz realizes how close he just came to getting them killed. And right now, the third act of the film kicks in, 
and the real villain of the movie is just going to show up in the next three minutes. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, and uh, I'll get to it when we get to it, but there's a part of this movie that I just don't care for at all. Because, look, he is taking care of the bills. Even if you are the house Negro, you don't take care of the bills. He runs Candyland. Yep. Oh, so you look at some of these beautiful shots, looking out from the balcony and then looking at this. This is what I'm talking yeah. about. Like these these shots are just beautifully framed and the colors are so vibrant. It's just nice. It just looks really good. Here's the last time that we see her as what visions. I love the fact that she points down, you know, waves. He's got to get his fake cane. What I really like about the way this movie unfolds is when it comes to, like, the star power, you know, we see Christoph Waltz and Jamie Foxx early in the film, but we don't start to see Leonardo DiCaprio or Samuel L. Jackson uh, until later. Oh, you know? I um, love this face change right here. Just that shot. And just look at the pure hatred coming in yep. his face. Yep. And I think he's starting to figure out what's going on. Right? I love it, you know. Rick Dalton's beating up. Oh, no, no, wait. Different movie. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, my ass. I have seen, uh, you know, the generation that come out of the 60s and they're like that. You know, all smiles and soon the white guy's gone. Stupid fucking, you know. Yeah, it's weird living up here in Maine because most of the African Americans that we have here are actually Somali. So they they migrated here and so um you know, it's it, it's like they've kind of isolated themselves in their own communities. So, you know, you don't you don't meet a lot of black people up here who actually grew up in America, you meet a lot of uh, people, you know, a lot of black people who came from other countries. So it, it's kind of weird because there's like a 
like a cultural divide, you know, they're, they're trying to learn our culture and we're trying to learn theirs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Is that that people don't realize what Samuel Jackson's character said is more fucking racist than anything that Candy or anybody else has said in this movie. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You want us to burn the sheets and burn the bed? And yes, they did for taking that down in Mississippi. Uh, well, they partake in that up in northern Maine as well. So. <laughs> yeah, but we're more. They they're more obvious about it in Mississippi. Yeah. And those three guys show up again. Yep. The three stooges. Yeah. Yeah, what about her? And I love this way that Leonardo and Samuel L. Jackson play with each other right here. And the hot box is the name of Pam Greer's first women in prison movie. Yep. I don't know if that was necessarily uh uh I don't know if that was necessarily an uh reference because the hot box really was a thing back in, you know, slavery days, but Yeah. Yeah, they didn't use that back then. They would just uh well, they don't get in the hot in this movie, which what would happen if you did be a runaway, which was chop off your foot. Yeah, you right. you were valuable property, and if you did hurt them real bad, you wouldn't get your money back. Cold. Right. You know. Yes. It's inconvenient, Excuse me. And this is the moment of film we really have all been waiting for, you know. Yeah, clean up. Shoot. Shoot. Oh, and uh, another reference, uh, Django, his name comes from, well, the movie Django comes from Django Reinhardt. 
Yes, Django Reinhardt. He, uh, an amazing Spanish guitar player who, he he was missing a finger, right? He was missing one of his yeah. fingers. That was part of what made his act so amazing was that he was missing a finger. But that's he's an amazing Cor- guitar that's player. That's who uh, Corbucci named the character after. Huh. Uh, I love all these beautiful visions of her. When we finally get to see the real her. And that just that twitch in his eye, you know. Well, that was definitely inspired by The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, which Tarantino has often cited as his favorite movie. You know, close up of the eyes, you know. Well... He has okay taste, but Once Upon a Time in the West is better. I don't know, man. I love, hey, I love uh, hey, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right the Once Upon a Time in the West is better. There's no fighting. This is my show. My rules. Once Upon a Time in the West is better. There's certain things I'll bend, not for this. <laughs> I didn't know it was your show. I thought we were co-hosts, but well, okay. when it comes to this, when it comes to this subject, <laughs> I'll tell you know. <laughs> I do love how it, you know. This is another example of. When most people would make the movie get louder and bigger. Right. Um, slows it down well, like, and makes it smaller, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, I I think that, you know, the intention was like, you know, like you said, slow it down, make it quieter for a little while so that the, that the ending has more of an impact, which is why what I mentioned earlier, I'll bring up when we get to it, but yeah, which is why there's a part of this movie that just annoys me. And I always loved that line when he said it in the hateful eight, let's just slow it down, slow it way down. (laughs) Right. And I think that's what I like about this movie. Just when people are expecting the bowler to get faster and faster, it gets smaller and more intimate. Like uh, with the final fight in Kill Bill. They're small and intimate fights. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone who watched Kill Bill thought that the final fight between the bride and Bill was going to be a huge encounter. But instead, it was a lot of talking and then five-finger death punch. Yeah, it was uh, uh, people who've had years of emotional attachment, you know, yeah. Who loved each other and each of them made one big fucking mistake. Right. <laughs> in the script, that's not the first time he slams his door in her face. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, it's like every time she tries to, you know, be nice to him and all that, boom! See, she is acting like Django did the first time he met King Schultz, you know? Uh. Right. Yeah, she doesn't know how to act around a white person who's treating her with respect. Yeah. I love that because usually in these plantation movies, you would see them take the bed covers down at this point in the scene. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. Fixes the bed up. And one of the great reveals of all time happens in about 15 seconds. I mean, from her perspective, this is playing out like a rape scene. Right. Don't do it. It's a roofie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you didn't have to worry about that back in, I love back it. in yes, those days. Yes, you do. <laughs> See, he loves his big dramatic entrances. That's his failing. He's fantastic, <laughs> you know. Right. I'm sure he has a backstory where he was like a theater actor before he became a fake dentist. Yeah, you can just tell that. You know, he loves theatrics. Yeah, right? I love their pet names for them because that just sums up their characters. Right. <laughs> hey, little troublemaker. <laughs> you silver tongued devil, you. Ha ha ha. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Your big pretty ass, or you know how you like it. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. I always try to figure out when did. Steven figured them out. I know he's smart because of his name, but that's beside the point. <laughs> oh well. Hey, don't don't hurt your don't don't 
your arm patting yourself on the back there, smarty pants. <laughs> yeah. Don't start sucking uh, your dick there, Steve. People don't. Yeah, but really, uh, Django is acting like a businessman. Oh, see, right there. They just said it. I have a background in the European circus. Yeah, there you go. Yep. I never caught that before, but it does It does track with what we were just did. talking about. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I never I, did I, before either, but now that you're looking for it. Yeah. Black hair. Yeah, it tracks. Nigga, <laughs> Oh, and you know who uh, 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 Jackson's makeup looks like, don't you? Well, it, it, he looks to me like the dude from Song of the South, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. Think of that rice that got pulled from the market about two or three years ago. Oh, yeah. Uncle yeah. Ben. Oh, yeah. Uncle, Uncle Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the fact that Stephen has got his eyes, you know, everybody else is pretending to be pleasantly, but him, he's just waiting for, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. You mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, but I don't, I don't really know when he actually realizes that they're there for Brunhilde. Like, I, yeah. But he definitely figures it out before anybody else right. oh. does. <laughs> I can't express the joy I felt conversing in my mother's tongue. And the healing is a charming conversation. Be careful now, Dr. Shaw. You might cut yourself a little dose of nigga love. See right there, black tar. There goes the tar, buddy. Uncle Remus, song of the south. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's some Uncle there's Remus in there. Right there. Her stupid ass gave up the game. You know what I mean? Right there. See. Yeah. Yeah. The ignorant woman. Yeah. She didn't know she was doing it. No, nope. Nope. She didn't do it. She didn't do it on purpose, but she definitely did it. Yeah. Yeah. All it takes is something like that. He just put everything together. He's like, son of a bitch. (laughs) And that kind of goes back to what you were saying before about him running Candyland, doing the bills, doing all that stuff. Like, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, shows how smart he is and how much he knows about how Candyland works. And, and that you know, he's the take... real villain of this movie, not Calvin yeah. Candy. No. Candy is kind of a goofball 
just enjoying making his money and, you know, yeah. hanging out, you know. But, yeah, Steven is the real villain, just like here on our show. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, really, the black people got it. Right? They knew who the real villain was, you know. <laughs> Candy don't even realize he's being played until he tells him. And it's the way they act together in this, when this scene gets here, that really gets into my theory. See, again, that's another really beautiful shot, too, the the way that that's framed with the two of them. Yeah, hanging, you know, close together like that with that backdrop, they're conspiring whether they, you know. Hey, look who Django's looking at. He's not looking at Candy. He wasn't looking at Candy right there. If you just judge. He's not looking at Candy, is he? No. He's looking at the one to really be scared at. Yeah, yeah, he's ready to kill Steven if he has to. Yeah, he knows that he's the one that's going to give him trouble. I know Black Samson, but I don't know Black Hercules. Yeah, exactly. I know, yeah, I know Black Samson, but I've never heard of Black Hercules. But I guess, you know, I guess that's supposed to be the reference. Yeah. I guess that's supposed to be the reference. Just a just like another Tarantino in joke, you know, for movie fans. Yeah, it's like when uh, Jackie Brown come out. I went to a Sun Coast and I was like, "Thank you, Tarantino," because I got copies. I was able to get my copies of Dolomite, uh, Shaft, Superfly. Man, I miss Suncoast so much. That was such a great video store. Like for you know, obviously it was like a you know not a video rental store, but a video well, store the first for anyone one who that remembers. I ever it. seen was that when I was down in uh, Nashville for cooking school. It was like every Friday night, my friends would come. That, I didn't even tell them where I was going. I was just they always come to like. Hey, Steve. All right. How do you know where you are? You are. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I miss Suncoast, man. That was a great place. I got a lot of movies there that I probably wouldn't have found anywhere else. Um, they yeah. were really uh, all-inclusive, you know? I loved it. The reason that Steven did that is he wanted to see Django's reaction to it. And he caught Django slipping. The only time he really slips in front of him. 
see? Yep. He's like, I got you. See, he got, he's like, I, yeah. He's like, I got you now, boy. I love it, you know. Crying. Why am I scaring you? Because you scary. No one gives her enough credit for her great performance in this movie. And for her having to go through what she goes through. And then another scene up here. That, damn. Right? It's a Baba Dean. Yes. Oh. Why doesn't King. Django knows that they're pretty much fucked right there. Why doesn't King? Yeah, we were, uh, I, I fell a little behind there for a minute, but yeah, Kerry Washington was also really great in Scandal. If anyone hasn't seen that, you should yeah. definitely watch it. Uh, and uh, Little Fires Everywhere, uh, that's actually one of Abby's uh, favorites. Uh, she loved the book and she loved uh, she loved the TV show, so... Those are some other great Kerry Washington performances if you want to catch up with more of what she's done since Django. Um. Yeah, I love this coming up scene because this is the one that seals my theory. This upcoming scene yeah. is the one that seals my theory. And when it gets here in a minute, I will go into detail. Now, see, look again. This is another one of those scenes where the framing is just really excellent. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if uh, Calvin Candy will be reading Blue Boy magazine nowadays, that statue behind him. <laughs> right. Here it is. The ways that Stephen talks to him and the way he looks, that's not a way that a boss looks. How many times have you gotten talks like this from your father? <laughs> In exactly the same kind of position, you know. Right. How many? Yeah. How many times have you been in this situation with your father? You know. <laughs> you know. Look, them motherfuckers you hanging out with are not the people you think they are, and they gonna get yeah. you in trouble. <laughs> I mean, look at him. He's got the brandy. He's talking to him like a father would to his son. 
right? Yeah. I'm sure I don't know. I'm sure I don't know. <laughs> Where was it that he said exactly that same line? Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sure oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, do you agree with me that they're acting like father and son in this scene? Yeah, for sure. And like I said, again, great framing. And it's, yeah, Stephen has taken the the role of, he's, like you mentioned earlier, he's he's already been. Yeah, he is his father. And that's the disguise that they're wearing, yeah. He's already been in charge of the plantation for all this time. Yeah. And did you Candy's ever watch been... a movie called The United, you know, The Confederate States of America, that faux documentary? Yes. 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 That's the same thing in that, you know. Yes. And it's like right. when Jungle Love come out. Jungle Love come out like, oh, I'm proposing something. What? what? It's like He's like, I'm proposing something. Wow, what black men sleeping with white women and white women sleeping with black men <laughs> down south. Motherfucker, please. That shit been going on this uh, Like the right? only scene that I love, I truly love as a scene that's not really racist from Ideal Zeal Time. Oh, my brother says that Stephen there looks just like us because of osmosis. He's been hanging around my brother, <laughs> brother so much, he looks just like him. <laughs> and a lot of this scene is improvised by uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And I want yeah. to apologize right now real quick to everyone who's listening to the live feed. In 16 seconds, you're fucked. You're going to have to wait to the replay goes up on uh, any of the usual sources, Spotify, and on here. But we're going to continue like nothing's going to happen. If you listen to the uncut <laughs> version of this, we going on. See, I love the way he says that. You know, he always says, always been in contact with a lot of black faces. Yeah. I mean, one question. Yeah, that is a good question. I never really had an answer for that. Well, if I was old man, I would have cut my daddy's goddamn throat. Yeah. All right. 
Well, you see what happens when you're not racist is you kind of hate racists. I mean, that's just me and you yeah, uh, right. here, yeah. here in 2021. Like in my you know. dog. When you, ha- when you uh-huh. aren't racist, you're racist <laughs> against racists. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, oh man, it's rough being a not racist in 2021. Oh man. Oh, and guess what? I'm not sexist either. Oh man, I'm doing it all wrong, aren't I? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, no, sexist. Your wife says you're sexy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sexy. I'm not sexist. <laughs> But I'm actually not that sexy. I'm actually not that sexy. Leonardo's best acting. I feel for Kerry Washington in this scene. Because I've heard yeah. some people say about this scene, the CGI blood just looked too, too red. It didn't look real. As we're about to find right. out and is most famously documented, when he goes ape shit here in a minute, he literally goes ape shit. Yeah. You see, that's the funny thing. Steven knew how to Django. He don't. So he's talking all his shit, you know. Yeah, he's trying to be intimidating and threatening in a way that that's just amping up the situation. Right here's where right here. What happened yeah. was is that he broke the wine glass in his hand. Yes, he did actually cut himself. And he said, blood, and they, yeah, he just kept going. Yeah. yeah. But the blood that he wipes on her face is not his actual blood. They did actually no. cut the scene. No. Yeah, though no, they actually, Tarantino actually used the cut. of <laughs> really wiping the blood on her face. Terry Washington has angrily said that in interviews. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Because I, I. I've read that they cut the scene, and when he wiped the blood on her face, it was just, uh, you know, prop blood, stage blood. Well, in an instance like this, I tend to believe the person who who gets shit wiped on her face more... Well, yeah, if she said, yeah... Yeah, and if she, she says, says yes, I say yeah. <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, like you know, Tarantino is notorious for inserting himself into films uh, quietly, where he so he can strangle actresses and sniff well, women's that comes feet from and shit. Argento. So. All of his early films, the killer's hands are his hands. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that wasn't because they needed him. It's just that he knew what he wanted and he knew that he could control the shot more if it was him. 
Yeah, right. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, come on, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. It's kind of creepy oh, when creepy. you're when you're yeah. like, oh, uh, I need someone strangled in this uh, film, so I'm gonna strangle them. Yeah. So, or when you're like, oh, I need to, I need someone licking feet in this film. I'm gonna lick feet. Oh, yeah, the scene in Dustal Dawn. Yeah, you can see him actually coming. <laughs> look at the look on your face. You're saying that this is fake. See, King can't ha- can't handle this shit. He knew that he was a wimp for the baby, didn't he? Hello? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. 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 Um, well, I think that's a lot of what we were talking about with the evolution of this movie. Uh where King, you know, like you said, he never really was a tough guy. He was like, I'll shoot you from a distance and collect the body. Well, he was a tough guy, but he was dealing with Northerners. He wasn't down in the shit. (laughs) Yeah. Even people in Tennessee and stuff like, I ain't going to Alabama or Mississippi. I get my ass kicked. Heck, I look white, but my name's Ron Kill. They're like, you got a Mexican sounding name, boy. We gonna kill you. <gasps> yeah. yeah. It's like I joked to my mom and said, if I ever had to go near the Mississippi, I'm changing my last name to Baird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have never, this thing proves that King Schultz is a sore winner. Yeah. He hates to eat shit no matter what. Because if he would have just ate shit, shook his hand, and... Well, in the original script, those boys... But then when when, uh, Candy gets shot, those boys show up awful goddamn quick, don't they? Yeah. People never noticed that. Never thought that a little bit. I mean, it's like, ah, what the hell was all these people doing under the table? <laughs> these these scenes are kind of weird for Tarantino too. They they don't really have like uh, his signature style. You know, like we talk about it all the time on the show. Tarantino has a very signature style, but this sequence doesn't feel like Tarantino to me. This this feels kind of weird. It doesn't it doesn't feel like Tarantino yeah. to me. How do you like how pissed off he was that she was playing Beethoven music? And guess what piece she was playing? <laughs> well, 
Can you guess? Well. Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Yeah, I was going to say it was Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah. And what other film has a guy going, play that music? (laughs) You tell me. Yeah. Clockwork Orange. Yeah, Clockwork Orange, baby. (laughs) Not my beloved Beethoven. Yeah, that's the thing is, he's a bad, he's a bad winner, you know, fuck it, just give him the money, get Brunhilde, get the fuck out, there's times for the actor, there's time just to do the shit and get the fuck out, you know. Even you don't, don't you? Yeah. Alexander. This thread was a bit longer in the script. His thing about Andrew Dumois, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, he was. <laughs> See, there's another great shot. Like, that's another great, like, wide shot. Yeah, a wide shot in a very closed room. Yeah. But then, honestly, the scene that's cut uh, has his sister, this was in the original script, go out and tell to surround the house and when they walk out with Broomhilda after buying them, kill him. Right. It's like uh, Once Upon a Time in a Novel is filled with lots of great euphoria that's great to read, (laughs) but it would have been hell in the fucking screen. Like uh, you in the extended the hateful eight. Yeah. Right. But I do appreciate the fact that Tarantino released the hateful eight extended version in like four one hour episodes. And even he himself has said it's better to watch it in four one hour episodes than to sit through a four hour version of my movie, you know? So. But I do love his uh, apology to Django right here. He, I mean, he didn't think, do you think that Candy, Candy, Calvin actually thought that he would not rate King Schultz to the point where he would do something stupid like this? Or do you think that he thought that he was some kind of wuss that he could just buffalo over? I think it goes back to what we were talking about before, that Candy is so naive. We're dealing with two naive people here at this point, where Candy is naive, Schultz, undereducated and Django has taken the role of well, Schultz the leader. Well, over educated, which is just dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
You got undercated, undereducated Calvin and overeducated Schultz, and that's the same level of danger. <laughs> yeah, but I think at this point Django is is the leader of their little, you know, scam. Yeah, because look, those two are the stare down at each other. Those that's yeah. the fight we're waiting for, you know. I love that little subtle work from Samuel Jackson right there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna get out of here because yeah, I'm just gonna get the fuck out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have a gun. I'm just gonna get out of the way. I mean, that that's the problem when you deal with two motherfuckers who have to have the last word. Because he does look shocked that he's shot. Yep. Yeah, he thought he was going to... Yeah, look how he acts. Does he act like someone that's lost a master or a father whose son just got shot in front of him? Right. I couldn't resist. And like I said, look how quick these other boys show up. Yeah. See, as soon as he stepped out of the door, what happened? As soon as. And it leads to one of the greatest fucking gun battles ever. And I feel sorry, not for this warrior... That poor bastard in front, because these stupid motherfuckers, Django included, keep shooting him. <laughs> this is definitely one of uh, definitely one of Tarantino's best action set pieces. Um, what yeah, about this for poor real. bastard? You know, oh, you stupid son of a bitch, you shot me. You stupid ass! I wouldn't be, I would be cursing him, guys. Hey, this is like, a great, this is a, yeah. this is a, this is a great needle drop right here too. <laughs> poor bastard! I love my poor bastards in film. The guys that. Aren't major characters, but you just feel sorry for them for the sheer amount of that they catch. Right. And how many Western movies have you ever seen that does right, that? Right here. That yeah, ever, look how big they show up. So he was. They were fucked no like matter what. Said. This is a great needle drop right here. Just this, yeah. And how many times have you actually seen that in a western where he kills the guy, but he grabs their gun? Uh, uh, what a smart person would do, you know? Hey, this guy didn't get the shot that. before I killed him. Let me get the guns, you know. 
And yeah, Tupac and James Brown. And what movie is that from? Black Caesar, the big payback. Yeah. And a lot of people were pissed off after this scene. I mean, I love it. I love this scene, but I think it should have been the ending, and that's what I was talking about earlier. This should have been the (laughs) end of the movie. That's what I was talking about earlier, and I'll get into it in a minute when this scene is over. Yeah, but the other two people that Django has needs to have a moment with aren't near, aren't here, which is Billy. And, of course, See, look who beats him right here. I don't think we need this scene, and I don't think we need the next scene. I think that gunfight no, that we just saw. No, this pays off some uh, angles here, because this really, if you include the cut dialogue that's in the soundtrack CD, 
from Stephen really shows who the bad, who the boss is in Candyland, you know. Cock the doodle doo, nigga. <laughs> Cock the doodle doo. <laughs> I knew there's something fishy about y'all. <laughs> Tarantino loves that. Wakey, wakey. Eggs and bakey. <laughs> well, no one can Tarantino say lines a... like that better than Walt Goggins, is there? <laughs> My favorite Kentucky, Walt but, Goggins. You know. My favorite Walt Goggins uh, thing ever was when he uh, appeared on an episode of uh, Community where he had to read uh, where, where he had to read a uh, a will uh, where he bequeathed uh, yeah bequeathed items to the uh, main characters. The Quint Dickey people. See, it sets up. You can't. He. Most people would rush it, but you know he's giving them all their own special scenes where he kicks their ass. <laughs> and this really cements here. And I don't know why most people don't get, well, the white folks definitely, the white audience, middle-class suburban didn't get that. This man right here is the true evil. The man is with your phone This is one of the best speeches ever he's given uh, Samuel Jackson, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And again, another re- and again, another really well-framed shot there. Don't tell it now. See, he manipulates. He is the manipulator. He is. Chewy master of Candyland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, he, he's endeared himself to, to both Candy and his sister, so he's 
Yeah, he's well, running the show. Well, I still say Candy is his son, you know. And Candy's sister is supposed to be an ignorant, 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 backwoods, Mississippi. You know, white trash with money. Right. And you will know my name is the Lord. Oh, no, wait. <laughs> Different uh, movie. <laughs> Okay. This is the scene that I think is completely unnecessary. Ah, no, 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 my dear boy. Those three guys in the cage is why they have to have this scene in the movie. This is the payoff for their three characters. That's the guy that's been looking at them like shit through the third part of the movie. This is the payoff of their art. I just think that that, la- that 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 gunfight scene should have been the last scene in the movie. But I know there's another gunfight scene coming, which is also exciting. And, well, I wouldn't call that know, a gunfight. Fun. A gunfight means to be something to shoot back. <laughs> <laughs> right. And plus, any time that we get to see, not Quentin Tarantino. But the other guy who's here, anytime you get him in the movie, you need to put his ass in a movie. Uh, and guess who taught Tarantino how to say all his dialogue? Uh, I'm guessing Zoe no one because he has a t- no Zoe Bell. <laughs> oh Zoe Bell, said, of course. Yeah, yeah, Zoe said his voice was like two hundred times shittier. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say nobody because his Australian accent yeah. is terrible. But then you bring up Zoe and Bell, and I'm like, they, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And why would they put Australians in a Southern slavery movie? I have no idea about that. I've, I've the questioned that since the Jamie Blacksmith and the way that the Australians treated the Aborigines, but really it's a ref, probably a riff on, I just say, the Chan of Jamie Blacksmith, which is, if you haven't seen that one, you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a great flick. Um, yeah, I never thought about that. I didn't, and I didn't even think about Zoe Bell working with Tarantino on his accent on this movie. Uh, well, but she yeah, said it I sounded can see the so connection. shitty that it hurt her ears. <laughs> yeah, and right. the person that I'm talking about is not him. No. Well, maybe it is him. We have to see the face. No, that's Tarantino. Uh, and that's him. This is his last appearance in a Tarantino film. That's Sheriff Earl Graw himself, motherfucker. Oh, Michael Park. Yeah. yeah, Michael Parks. Yeah, Anytime and he Michael passed Parks away. Is in, yeah. 
Yeah, I think this yeah. is one of his. I think this is either his last or one of his last movie roles. Yeah, he was in a bunch of not only Tarantino movies. Obviously, he had a career uh, career pre Tarantino, but he was in a lot of Tarantino movies and a lot of uh, Robert Rodriguez movies that might be yeah. more up to speed for our. Our age, but yeah, our age these group. guys right here is why they have to have this thing because it's the payoff for them. See, that's the guy that's talking shit, yeah. and that's the you know. I actually have to admit that although I've seen this film multiple times in my life, I never realized that that was Michael Parks. I never realized. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I never realized until you brought it up right now. <laughs> I'm a big Michael Parks fan, and I never realized that was that was him. Now I'm looking at him, and I'm like, yep, that's Michael Parks right there. See, that's the one that hated him all through the movie and even spit on him in that one scene. Right. Tarantino's best death in a movie. <laughs> I that mean, the way the it long... does and the music sting when it happens is just so so beautiful. You know. That dude with the long gray hair looks like Jay Mascus from Dinosaur Jr. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think even Tarantino knew that people were tired of him acting in his films, and he was like, well, he all right, here's the... after, uh, I think Destiny uh, turns on the radio. Yeah. And then... <laughs> that music... I think he was like... And then Jamie Foxx just standing there in the smoke. He did do the love And the payoff, well, the real payoff doesn't come to a little extra scene on the credits, but I do love the fact that the guy that hated him through the last third, the look on his face right. at the very end of this scene, you know. Oh, 
Call the police. Yeah, throw me up at dynamite. And right here comes the great, well, the, I love, just right there, you know, he's riding off like a badass. And then, <laughs> then, everybody in the audience was giving that same look when he did that. You know. Right? You know that. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that motherfucker gonna get some shit done. <laughs> but then we have the stinger, which really paid it off. Which I'm glad they kept it at Africa, but that would have really taken the piss out of the scene, wouldn't it? Right. And then song switch. Yeah, brother. Later in his career. Later in his career, Tarantino did a lot of stuff where he would chop songs up and go from song to song, like a really quick switch up. Um, and actually, uh, uh, some of the composers that he worked with complained about that. You know, I mean, it's one thing if you're just using pre-recorded songs, you know, that have already existed in pop culture uh, but a lot of composers that he worked with complained about the fact that he would just suddenly change up songs in the middle of a scene or when a scene transitions, <laughs> you know? He's an equal opportunity killer. He ain't saying yeah. he'll kill your ass if you're in his way. Another great action sequence in this flick. Like, yeah, that quick and easy. I'm too old to die young now. Yeah. It was quick and easy for us, but they probably had to do that like 10 times before they got the the shot. And this shot right there. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that he doesn't forget to get the most important thing. Well, he's got to get his saddle so that... uh, Well, no, not the saddle. (laughs) It's Hildy's Freedom Papers. Yeah. Yeah. He does paper, apparently. Yeah. Uh, uh, he does apparently get the saddle though, because uh, it's the same saddle yeah, that uh, the they have. Saddle they have in yeah. Django, uh, or uh, they have in. Uh, yeah, it's the same saddle that they have in Hateful Eight. Um, yeah, because originally, uh, 
Samuel Jackson's character was supposed to be Django. White. Yeah. It was from the first of uh, his sequels, which was Django, Black Man in Wild. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. Yeah, uh, Django, Black Man in White Hell was supposed to be another Tarantino. I don't know if he was going to make it into a movie or a novel or... Well, he's he going to make it into a, lot a of... novel, and then he liked it so much, he said he's going to make it into a movie. And then he thought Django was not too likable for the son of a bitch that he wrote Samuel Jackson's character to be. And honestly, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, he keeps talking about doing TV. <laughs> he keeps talking about doing TV shows as well, and I think his extended yeah. version. I think his extended version of Hateful Eight, uh, which was like four one-hour episodes. I think that was his first yeah, that was Netflix, Netflix's call in. They made the right call when it comes to busting it up in the four one-hour block. Right. And I think I think that's what he wants to do when he talks about going into TV shows. I think he's going to want to do like episodes, you know, not just like movies. He's going to want to do like, oh, here's eight episodes of my my new show, you know. Yeah, he would work great in the mini in the limited show office. Yeah. Format. Definitely. Yeah. I love this coming in. They're like, ha ha, they're going to be pissed when they find out he's gone. Is another way of saying that Calvin is. Yeah. Instead of a white black, instead of a black, you're the most black men in white clothes. You know. Ah, Billy Crash. And this and uh, Walt Goggins screwed up this line on purpose. And Tarantino loved it so much he kept it in. So this was a purpose uh, improvisation on uh, his part. Right. The Django, you black. The deer silent hillbilly. <laughs> oh, I love this. Lest you get away from all these white folks. Uh, now you. <laughs> You right where you belong. I love this it. is one of my favorite. This is one of my favorite practical effects in any movie ever. Tell Miss Laura goodbye. I bet Abby didn't like what happened to Miss Laura. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Just whoop! Oh, that's what. It, but it. Now oh, it, but it is one along. of my favorite practical effects in any movie. Like that's. I know. Uh, it looks like she just yanked back with a rope. 
Oh yeah, yeah. They just yanked her out of there. That yeah, there were no graphics involved in that. They just yanked her out of there. Yeah. yeah. Oh. That was an exorcist reference. Because if you remember, that's how Ellen Burstyn fucked her back up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Ellen Burstyn, uh, yeah, her buck, uh, her back got fucked up when they uh, yanked her physically like that. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that, uh, that practical. I count two Hopefully that thoughts. practical. I count I love it. He's Samuel L. Jackson in this scene. I mean, there's no southern accent. He's just Samuel L. Jackson. You notice? Right. Yeah, he's not pretending. Yeah, he's not pretending anymore. Yeah, he's not pretending anymore because he's, there's, you know, there's there's nobody else left around. That's why, uh, that's where the whole prison story and the whole thing about that reward didn't get to mean shit once the Civil War story angle of Samuel Jackson's character come from. And this song is, his name is the lead song from, his name was Trinity. Oh, you up in the... I wish they would have kept in the original version of that line, man. Well, he's gone. The original version was going to be Django, you uppity N-word. Except that the house was supposed to blow up when he said N-I. And the trick that the horse plays is from the old Roy Rogers Western. Well, since this part's recorded overtime, Nate's gone for good. Thank you, Nate. And he's just gone. And we're almost done, but I'm going to finish this out. You know, hey, big. And her full name is Brunhilde von Schack. And in this case, you're wondering, yes, she's related to John Schack. I ain't just talking about Schack. And I love this. Right here, the horse tricks. That's from uh, the old days. They're going to call you the fastest gun in the South. Not West, see, a Southern. The fastest gun in the South. <laughs> okay, yeah. And yeah, Samuel Jackson's whole backstory comes from this scene. Instead of a prison burning down, it was Candyland. But he changed it from uh, the... No horses were harmed in the making of this movie. Yeah, the Spack Brothers, Jane Ramar, Dickie, and Ace. See, 
Tom Wolpett is the U.S. Marshal. Don Stroud. Don Stroud, that's who it was. Bruce Dern, his old man. M.C. Ganey, Cooper Huckabee, and Doc Newhane. Jonah Hill is backhead number two. <laughs> Lee Horthy is Sheriff Gus. Robert Carradine was the trackers there. I didn't recognize Robert Carradine. Tom Savini. Michael Parks, Quentin Tarantino, and John Jarrett. And here's where we're fading off, you know, the music. I'm just sitting there, and then this song. This song is not on the soundtrack. This is part of the music that wasn't in the music movie, the soundtrack. Sort of like Goodfellas is the king offender by that, is that when I got the soundtrack to Goodfellas, like, where's 90% of the music in this mother that I remember from the movie? Well, yeah, we're waiting for the bonus scene, which really was supposed to be the ending of the scene with the three black guys in there. And it's just one hell of a joke, but it works better as a hidden scene. And it switches into another song, which I wish was on the soundtrack, but it's not. It kills me. Louis Barkov and Ennio Morricone did two songs for this. Le Corsa and uh, the other one, which is already passed. Burley, Unchained the Bayback is there. Ain't No Grave is one of my favorites. Oh, the Django. That's it. The D is silent. This is it playing right now. Oh, the Django. It's not on the soundtrack, but where's the composed it for the movie? And it has dialogues not in the movie like it has Carrie King saying, I love you, Django. I don't know why they didn't include it as a hidden song like they did with tribute to Oren Ishiak, Kill, Kill Bill, but who knows. But at least uh, this time, uh, Nate made it in two hours and 48 minutes into, uh, well, about two hours and 40 minutes into two hours and 48 minutes. Here we go. This is supposed to be the end payoff. <laughs> After all that, it's like, who was that man? Who was that? And with that, Tarantino's Southern Django Unchained is over. I personally love this movie, and I held off making my top ten list of that year because I was waiting to see this. So... Thank you for, if you're listening to this, for putting up a two hours and 40 minutes. I hope you found this informative. And with that, good night. Wait, got to get the song queued up as usual. Uh-oh, my co-host, my, my secretary here is staring at me so she knows it must be time. But we got to get it going. But yeah, this is my one of my favorite Tarantinos.
But the next one I love more, and that's the Hateful Eight. And thank you all for listening, and good night, everybody. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really.